This episode of This Week in Nerd News was written, recorded, and produced during the 2023 WGA and SAG after strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the content being covered here wouldn't exist. Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. And I'm your host, Victoria Routine. How's it going in your world, Victoria? It's going. I know we have our little disclaimer about the strikes, but I think this was one of the first weeks that I really felt that in the pull. Um, and we talked about that on the pod a couple of weeks ago about how we were going to start feeling the impact of the strikes going forward more and more. And yeah, it definitely felt like a light week. And I, I think that the impact of the strikes can't be discounted for that. Yeah, definitely. Like we're starting to see like what's happening when content starts to dry up a little bit, whereas like alternate forms of content are getting even more popular. Like professional wrestling is in a real very unpopular spot right now because it's not scripted. Reality TV shows right now, like people are leaning on to those. And even ABC, I read the other day that they're going to be showing Miss Marvel on ABC. Excuse me, Disney's going to be showing Miss Marvel on ABC because they don't really have so many new shows to show there. But I also like that because it helps get it to a wider audience and stuff, you know. But yeah, people out here trying to adjust. Mm-hmm. Also, a thing that you could watch that is unscripted. Um, am I going to do a shameless self-plug here? Yes. Uh, but you could watch actual plays of TTRPGs if that was a thing that you liked, including uh, Midsummer's Night's Stream, which we just finished recording. Uh, Keith McKell and I, as well as Garrett and, of course, our DM Draper. Um, that's a thing you can find on the Black Nerd Problems YouTube channel. I've actually been going back through the Dimension 20 catalog, so I just started the Unsleeping City. But yeah, it's adjusting is correct. Adjusting is correct. So I think we're going to get into the strikes a little bit more for our big ticket item after the break, but I do actually have a piece of content that I am excited for that is coming out uh, in fall. So... You ready to hear about a thing? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So it's a Victoria thing. It's one of those things that you run across and you're like, yeah, this is a Victoria thing. Because it is a documentary. I was going to say docu-series. It's a movie. It's just a documentary. Man, we've been in the streaming era for a long time. (laughs) Um, So it's a documentary about a black civil rights icon who is also queer. And I put it in that order um, because there's this weird pull of being queer is a part of your identity, but it is not all of your identity. And especially in civil rights movements. I was going to say in historical civil rights movements, but I would say even now, there is this weird tightrope that you have to walk. And so the person that I'm speaking about is Bayard Rustin. I discovered Bayard Rustin in college because black history in the United States is terribly taught. Don't get me started on Florida. 
but I didn't even know that Bayard Rustin existed really. I'm sure if I went back through my history texts before college, there would maybe be like a one-liner in there that was like, Martin Luther King Jr. was helped by A. Philip Randolph, Bayard Rustin, blah, 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 blah. But that would have been it. And so when I hit college and had to do a paper and was going through doing my research and found this black queer activist who was the advisor to Martin Luther King Jr., who was one of the main organizers of the March on Washington, I was over the moon and just like, why didn't I know this before, right? So I am very excited that we are getting a documentary about Bayard Rustin. This comes on the heels of news. I'm, I forget all of my dates, so I'm not really sure when they're going to come out. Uh, I think this one comes out first, but then we get one on James Baldwin is also in production, which we have talked about before as well. But this movie is, uh, it stars Coleman Domingo and a ton of other amazing, amazing actors. It's directed by George C. Wolfe, who is a five-time Tony Award-winning director who did Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom, which I have not watched yet, but I really want to. Uh, It's one of those plays, right? And so... Let's see. It's coming out on Netflix. It'll be out on Netflix on November 17th. Yeah, November 17th because it comes out. Good timing, right? I mean, they planned it, but it's whatever. It comes out on the 60th 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. And it is from the Obama's production company, Higher Grounds. So it looks amazing. I'm really glad that this story is going to be told and that we have more access to it. I remember doing that paper and having it be, even then, a little bit difficult to find sources and materials that weren't just like, yep, he showed up and did a thing. Um, And so having this, I think, will be great for education all around. So, yeah. But I definitely think you're right there that Bayard is one of those people who you might get a mention of in the history books and then no more context. But that's one reason why I personally am such a big fan of history because history is, from my perspective, something that we all contribute to, whether we realize it or not, especially if you're in proximity to events and people and moments that shape and impact far more people. And Bayard Rustin is one of those people who, in his own right, had a very significant impact on the world and the civil rights movement, but often is one of the many people, you could argue, who gets, who ends up being in the shadow of people who had a larger public presence. So I definitely appreciate this movie coming out and being made. One thing I did think about, I didn't know this was being made by the Obama's production company. Part of me is thinking that they're going to do great by like, in, with starting out with these kind of stories that are Bayard Rustin, as you mentioned earlier, is one of those people in his story. It's one of those stories that, excuse me, as a person person of color in the United States of America, but especially a black person or black American, 
you kind of do a secondary education, which for mm-hmm. me kind of came in college and a little bit afterwards. And that's when I found about Bayard Russell and a few other people. And I think that if they just focus on that area of stories, like it happened four, three, four years ago when people started all of a sudden realized Tulsa Massacre mm-hmm. happened. A lot of black people have been new about that. Yep. But like that's when it kind of became a main part of the mainstream consciousness. Right. And I feel like that can happen here. And I think a formula for success for them or anyone who wants to follow this mold is to take those stories and put them on a higher platform. Now, Part of me is a little concerned that the Obamas are going to continue to just like portray black respectability politics and all of their content. But that's just kind of an Obama thing. And that is who they are. Yes. But that's beside the point. <laughs> uh, no, I love that. I love that uh, political perspective there a little bit. And I think that that is absolutely I think it's a valid criticism given the lack of content in that that secondary education space that you were talking about, right? Because if we had a lot of people who were able to tell Black stories, then it would be fine that it was like, okay, well, you do respectability politics, that's fine. Someone else is going to do something else. But we just don't have a ton of people with that ability. And so, yeah, it would it would be nice if they would sprinkle in Every once in a while, something that maybe wasn't so mm, gilded. Yeah, like I'm not expecting the Obama production company to make a film about Fred Hampton, right? Like that's not who I'm expecting to do (laughs) that. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, with that, let's take a break and we'll come back and do some strike updates. There's a lot going on when it comes to the various strikes happening as far as maybe even more that might be coming in the studios and a lot of moving players and pieces here. So first thing is that the Writers Guild of America recently had a meeting with the studios that was initially going to be totally like secret. But unfortunately, at least according to the Writers Guild, studios started leaking out parts of that meeting to the press and the news came out. So the Writers Guild authority figures had to go ahead and release a statement basically saying that, hey, here's what happened and here's what didn't happen, more so importantly. So essentially there's no progress really being made there. They're not willing to engage on the preservation of the writer's room or success-based residuals, which are two of the biggest reasons that this whole strike is happening, at least from the writer's perspective, not including the Screen Actors Guild at all. So on the grand scheme of things, not really that much happened. It was outside of a conversation. And things continue to be really, really tense as studios continue to use their power to try and control the narrative. But the good thing about that is they're trying to control the narrative of working against writers in the age of social media. So that's a lot harder to do and get done, right? Warner Brothers had their earnings call this past week, as well as many, many other companies. But during their earnings call, one of the executives said that because of the strike, Warner Brothers Discovery has actually been able to quote-unquote save around $100 million. And that they're optimistically thinking that the strike will be over by September or so. But that doesn't quite seem as likely, because it seems like they're still pretty far apart on what they're asking for and what they want on both sides. So that may be a little bit ambitious on their part. But it is interesting to hear how the studio are talking about this from their side we actually got some interesting news from actors there have been a lot of people who just don't really seem to be for the strike 
and they make the very grave mistake of saying this publicly in some form or fashion. So you may have heard a couple weeks ago about Stephen Amell, who currently stars on the show Heels, which is about professional wrestlers, but before that, and most famously, played the Green Arrow in CW's Arrow and the corresponding Arrowverse. And he made the mistake of coming out and making a whole bunch of random weird statements about how he doesn't support the strike and is frustrated by it, etc., etc. So in order to go ahead and try and remedy that, he came out with a very, very long statement where he broke down every part of that soundbite that went around the internet, including how he's, he verbatim said, I support my union, I do, and I stand with them. I do not support striking. I don't. So then he went ahead and backtracked with a bunch of statements talking about how he was speaking in the heat of the moment and he's an emotional person and he was being inflammatory and this and that and stuff. <laughs> what it really sounds like is that he spoke from the heart and then he realized that, oh no, my heart doesn't quite align with what I'm supposed to be saying. And another example of this was someone who I personally was a big fan of and have come to realize in recent months it's not quite the person I thought they were, Zachary Levi. A clip went around of him on various social media sites talking about how the rules of the strike are quote-unquote so dumb. And he was saying that in jest, talking about how he's not allowed to talk about past projects that he worked on publicly because like like other people that are in the union not trying to be a scab, they can't talk about things that were made by these major studios because they're that's promoting their work essentially and they're trying to not get in the way of their own work there, right? So essentially he was talking about how he's not able to talk about being Shazam or Chuck or when he was entangled in all those things, which are some of his best roles, of course. And he said that in jest and he later on released a public statement through his PR as well that talks about how he supports the union and the strike and then WGA and all that stuff and how he was just making a statement in jest, you know, quote unquote, it's just jokes. But that's part of the conversation that's going on, which can be very counterintuitive when actors and people in Hollywood in general are trying to come to the table and negotiate for these things that they feel that they need because the landscape of entertainment has changed so much. And I know that there are definitely some good stories happening out there for sure, and I'm going to go ahead and let Victoria take the lead on those. But first, were you surpri- remotely surprised by this at all? No. Um, I think that this <laughs> makes perfect sense for both Zachary Levi and Stephen Amell. Um I am trying to have some grace. Uh, I think... I think that strikes... Let me back up. I think that unions in the United States are very often villainized. And I don't think... Because they are, in essence anti-capitalist right or or not not necessarily anti-capitalist but they are a roadblock for full out capitalism they make that a little bit harder because you have to think about people you can't just do as much profit as is possible And that means that in America, we do not talk about, in the United States, I should say, in the United States, we do not talk about unions in a positive light for the most part as a society. And so because of that, again, everything goes back to education, right? I don't think a lot of people really understand what unions are or what strikes do. And so it would not surprise me if 
the sentiment from both of these two people comes from a lack of understanding of what's actually going on, uh, a lack of understanding of how talking about past work is interrupting the progress, right? A lack of understanding about how how many people are in the union that don't make the amount of money that they make, right? Just an overall kind of lack of understanding of what is happening. That's me talking with a lot of grace. Uh, I think you should educate yourself. I think you should educate yourself. If this is a thing that's happening in something that you are a part of, I think that you should call up your your representative, your union rep, and be like, can you explain this to me? Because I'm having these feelings personally, and I want to understand what's going on before I speak in public because I have a large following and a large platform. So maybe I should know what I'm talking about before I open my mouth. But that's just me. I suppose you don't actually have to do that. I do find the WB earnings call interesting um, because I think that has the potential to backfire on them because essentially what they are saying is they are they are acknowledging the amount of money that they are still making off of prior work which is what part of the strike is about is about residuals right And so I think that that might backfire on them about like, yeah, what you are excited about is exactly what we are talking about. Some of that, why is all of that going to the studio? It should be going to the people who created the work. So I find that interesting and I'm not sure that was incredibly well thought out (laughs) um, in releasing, but hey, hopefully it helps people get paid what they should get paid. And yeah, I agree with you. There are some positive things on that topic of most of the people who are the most affected by this strike, right? The people that are the core of WGA and SAG-AFTRA are not the big name people. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago as well. Because of that, they are the ones who are getting hit the hardest. And this is where strike breakers and scabs come in and why that is so difficult sometimes, right? If you were living paycheck to paycheck before the strike and now there's this strike and you're not supposed to have any work, how do you get paid, right? How are you having money? And part of this is the union, right? And so what we have seen in the past couple of weeks are the big name stars donating to the union so that the union can help support its members while they're on strike and they don't feel like they have to strike break in order to survive, right? And so I'm just going to read some names of folks who have given at least a million dollars. Some of them have given more, but at least a million dollars. So since the strike started three weeks ago, we have uh, The Rock, who was potentially one of the first ones. Uh, And then since then, we have George and Amal Clooney, Meryl Streep, Matt and Luciana Damon, Nicole Kidman, Oprah Winfrey, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, 
Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Hugh Jackman and Deborah Lee Furness. So we're seeing a ton of... So I am sure that that list is only going to grow a ton of those big name A-list stars who do understand, who do recognize that while this affects them, it really isn't about them. They're not the ones who are particularly worried about getting replaced with AI or things like that. Um, It's about the writers. It's about the background actors. It's about all of those folks. And they are willing to put their money where their mouth is to make this strike successful. So that's a really cool thing. All right. So we have done history. We have done strikes. Let's wrap up with our, what do we call it? Our patented, non-patented lightning round. I am going to start with a, a moment of silence here. We lost some incredible folks this week. So in the past week, we have the passing of Broadway actor Clifton Oliver, who has been in a ton of different things, but most notably The Lion King, In the Heights, and Wicked. We also lost Angus Cloud, who is most known for his role in Euphoria, and of course, Paul Rubens, who famously played Pee Wee Herman. So I just want to take a moment of silence to recognize some great talent that the world has not lost. All right, to bring us back out of that have some stuff that is coming up that I am excited for uh, and I know Keith is excited for and we hope that you are excited for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Mutant Mayhem right that's subtitle Uh, came out this past weekend it came out on August 2nd Um, so not the weekend (laughs) it came out on Thursday it's fine it came out recently on August 2nd And I have heard nothing but great things about this movie. It looked great from the trailers. We've talked about the trailers before. And apparently there are already conversations about a sequel, which makes sense. I feel like all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies end up with sequels. And this one looks amazing. The animation seems awesome. So I'm excited to go see it. Again, not a theater person, but it's definitely going to be a theater one for me. And yeah, go see it. Uh, Also, more TTRPG news. Welcome to Night Vale, which is a podcast. I know this is one of Mikkel's podcasts. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is horror adjacent. I have not been properly convinced to listen to it yet because we know how Victoria deals with horror, but it is incredibly well produced and well loved by many, and they have struck a deal with Renegade Game Studios to create a Welcome to Night Vale inspired TTRPG, which will be available in 2024. And finally, another final, Disenchantment, the final season, 
put out their trailer and it looks great as always. If you haven't watched Disenchantment, it is from the creators of like The Simpsons and Futurama and it's cute isn't quite the word that I would use, but it is really good content. So if you would like to watch that and get caught up before the final season drops, definitely do that. And if you want to hear more from us, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. That was This Week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more pop culture updates. I'm your host, Victoria Vertin. And I'm your host, Keith Ray Cleveland. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Bye.